My name is Lynn McTaggart. Welcome to my podcast, Living the New Science. In these podcasts, I'm covering some extraordinary discoveries by frontier scientists and other new thought leaders and why this changes everything we think about how our world works and also how we should live our lives. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations with Lynn McTaggart. I am so thrilled today to have two great chums and amazing healers in Dr. Eric Pearl and Jillian Fleer. Now, they are the heads of The Reconnection, and Dr. Pearl had an extraordinary experience many years ago as a chiropractor when he started healing his patients without touching them and had more and more astonishing experiences. And more recently, he and Jillian have brought the reconnection, which is what he's been teaching, how to use these new frequencies he discovered to heal yourself and heal each other. And now with Jillian, they are now bringing it out in a much wider method. They are bringing healing to the world. So that's one of the great things we share. We have very different paths to healing, of course, me with intention, you with reconnection. But we heal the idea of heal others, heal yourself. But I want to start with something really more basic, which is, Tell me about how you define healing. Let's start with let's start with the basics. That's a good idea. Let's start with the basics. By the way, I do want to say it's it's very nice to see you again. Haven't seen you since lunch a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, it's really nice to see you and Brian and the beautiful uh, children and grandchildren. So it's cool to share this time together. But yeah, go ahead. There's there's a lot of different ways we can view this. And this is part of what I have discovered. And you'll see in some of the distinction between the way the first book, The Reconnection, was written and our new book, The Direct Path to Healing, has been written because I had always, up to that point of The Reconnection, viewed healing the way most of us do, is relieving um, symptoms and other problems and situations and healing is something that you would send or receive and people reading what we've written now and the way um, we're teaching in our training programs all around the world say oh has reconnective healing changed no it hasn't changed truth is truth is truth what changes is the human understanding and perspective and therefore ability to communicate that truth of that which is. And so much more what we find is that healing is not something that happens. Healing is. You are already the healing. We're already the healing that we're looking for. So it's not something that's sent. It's not something that changes. It's not that we become enlightened. We are enlightenment. But what happens is the healing that we are becomes revealed to us. Our truth, our essence becomes revealed to us as us. And in that, 
suddenly we become the demonstration of the truth of who we have always been. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I absolutely agree with that whole idea because one of the problems we have is a very diminished view of who we are. Um, we as human beings, I mean, we are given a very diminished scientific story. You know, Joan Didion wrote the, the words, uh, we write stories to tell us how to live. You know, we, we need stories to tell us how to live. And one of the biggest stories of all is our scientific story. And the story we have been handed, which is more than 300 years old, is a story, a very sad story of separate things operating according to fixed laws in time and space. And that we as humans are essentially a collection of chemistry and electrical signaling. But what you have discovered and what I've discovered too is that we are so much more than that. We have innate capacities to heal ourselves, each other and the world. We have extraordinary cap capacities we have not tapped into. And so when you talk about we are healing, we are. We have that ability and we just need to learn how to access that, how to you access know, it. I, I, I am so grateful for exactly how you both, but also how you frame that scientifically, Lynn, because in some ways, one of the um, key points for today was to, to address giving yourself permission to heal. And I was really thinking about that idea and thinking on two levels from the introspection understanding, the, the reality of my being, I am the healing. There's no separation between healing and and healing itself and healing another. We are one. We share our being with everything and everyone. And yet there is a reasoning to that in um, that localization of the body-mind. And so consciousness is we are simply one consciousness and we're more and more, thank goodness for you and many of the colleagues that surround you scientifically, this is really becoming an extremely important inquiry. And Nassim Harriman's most recent paper hopefully will be released soon and there will be very practical ways for us to really know this as the knowing, um, absolute knowing. Howsoever, the experience of healing in the body-mind often requires some reasoning. And reasoning is often found in thoughts and feelings and behaviors and beliefs. And as you so beautifully um, examine this healing, when we are able to heal others, there is an innate reconnecting with the whole. Um, and so that examination of giving us permission to heal, I think is such an important uh, uh, topic because we can get very lost in just what you brought about at the beginning, the story. Even Einstein got lost in a story. He lost himself in a way he came so close really to what the revealing of no time, no space was, but couldn't complete it. There was just that idea of separation, otherness. And so the reconnect of a healing experience has never been particularly, um, focused on the body-mind experience, although the consequence of the reconnective healing experience reveals immense body-mind healing. We kind of share the idea that we start at the conclusion and we never leave there. What is it that rests in the background 
that is ever present. That is, as we're kind of exploring here, the healing itself, the capacity, um, your exploration of the field. The field is living in us. We are not living in the field. The field is who we are. So it's just another opportunity. Um, and I there think it's a beautiful collaboration. There's different understandings of the way things appeared. To me, it always appeared that there was a field and we were in it, that there was healing and it needs to come, that there is someone who needs a healing and it needs to be sent. And all of that created and reinforced the illusion of distance, space, and time. And yet the recognition that we are this allows the illusions of time, distance, and space to simply melt away, to vanish, just like the concept of um, resisting health challenges or pains or other things allows itself to melt into place when we, instead of resist it, when we embrace it and bring it into our hearts. Love mm-hmm. dissolves everything. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. And this is the mistake so many people make. I hear this all the time. How do I get into the field? How do I enter the field? And I always say, you're already in there, honey. You are the field. You are. And honey is the key part. word. <laughs> you are the field. And this is the point. We and our subatomic particles, that nethermost element of our beings, are doing a little subatomic energy dance all the time with other subatomic particles in the world. That's what everything in the world is is comprised of. And this little subatomic dance creates the field. So we're always there. We're living in there. The problem is, and you said it too, the problem is we don't experience life as being connected. We don't experience life as being all one. We experience life as... Recognize it as that. Well, but that's the problem with the story. And it's the problem with the way we have created our society based on that faulty story. So everything we have created in our lives is based on competitive individualism. You know, I, me first, only me. I have to get there first. There ain't enough to go around, so life has to proceed through struggle. Darwinian views that still essentially control us. So because of that, we experience life as you know, a lonely person on a lonely planet in a lonely universe. We experience life as separation. One thing that I have discovered in my work that's been extraordinary through the neuroscience brainwave studies we've done on power of eight groups we've found that the parts of the brain that make us feel separate, that reinforce that faulty view, like the parietal lobes, they sit back here, they tell us what's me and what's not me. And also part of the right frontal lobes that make us feel uh, worried, have worried, doubt, negativity, all of this is turned way down. Completely unlike meditation, completely unlike meditation. That was our big surprise. It's much more like a Buddhist monk during ecstatic prayer. And what people report is a feeling of oneness. And for me, the big secret sauce for healing is returning to a sense and a state of oneness. So I would suggest that... Um, and that it's so beautiful the way that you've framed 
really this work that you're sharing all over the world. Um, because in a way, you're raising the, the, I think, the epic question. We perceive and conceive a sense of separation. We know it's an illusion. Scientifically, we know it's an illusion. It's almost mainstream. I mean, my goodness, Eckhart Tolle has been around for a very long time now. Speaking into this, this is not a surprise. So the, the question is, why, if we know that in a way, perceiving and conceiving the world out here is, is, a, is an illusion in a way, it's almost like a little VR headset that we get to interact with. And, and even in sort of current technology, this is something we're doing all the time. If we are aware somewhere that the truth of what we are perceiving and conceiving is not actual, then who are we? And that pausing of absolute presence that happens in an intention experiment uh, and in your, your groups or in the way that reconnective healing has always sort of revealed, again, it, 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 it's always revealed the presence of no space, no time, or that experience that really is prior to any experience or all experience. And that's what we call energy, light, and information. But energy, light, and information, as Erica's always said, is, and we know this, you can call it God. I call it God. Love, infinite intelligence, source. You can call it frequencies. It doesn't really matter because at this moment we are in the recognition that it is who we are so i think it's our recognition lynn if we start at the conclusion and we never leave there we never think to harm another person we we are in the recognition that we are one touching one consciousness so if our decisions, of our opinions, of our lives, if our experiences are formed from that conclusion, what does the world look like? And I think that's in a way what you're exploring in your groups. And it's certainly what the reconnective healing experience is endlessly revealing. Um, does it have a point of transformation in terms of when do we see that? as the world and when does it sort of catch up if you will when do we recognize it and and you know if there's actually no reconnection because there's no such thing as a disconnection except for the obscuring of our ability to see that we are all one so there's actually no such thing as a connection because to connect there must be two or more coming together. And if everyone and everything truly is one, then here we are. And as one, you can't really send anything to yourself unless you go to the UPS office or something. Um, so if, if, if we say to everyone, I mean, and anyone who's comfortable and, and in a good place to do this right now, who's watching this and listening, we just say, stand up for a moment, just, just stand up. So just stand up if you want for a second, everyone. And what I want you to do once you're standing is take a step toward yourself. 
Now you're probably just looking around the room going, what the hell does he mean by that? Because you can't take a step toward yourself. You already are yourself. So healing really, if we allow ourselves to recognize that we are all one, can't be sent because the concept of sending creates distance, time, space, illusions, separation, which creates the fears and the, the feelings that we need to protect ourselves and all those things. When we allow ourselves to understand that we are one, then as a healing facilitator, you receive healing. You just receive. And being one, then everyone receives. And this is really key. This is part of why we speak about our book as the direct path to healing, because the direct path means there really is no path. So when Jillian said we begin at the conclusion, our receiving this is my healing, is your healing, is our neighbor's healing, are the people's that we love's healing, and the people that we sort of like and the people that we don't like at all, everyone receives. I think that's a really interesting point and an important point, an essential point. I think it's okay to call it reconnection for this reason. People need to be reminded of who they really are because yeah. we've been sold that story for so long. Our whole generation and generations before have been brought up with this whole idea of separation, competitive individualism. So we don't experience life as connected. We don't experience life as a connection and, and as no need for a connection, as you put it, because we experience life as separation. So all you're doing is tuning people in, essentially, by saying it's a reconnection. It's a reconnection to what is, essentially. And it's for me, made by words to communicate just what you're saying. Right. Yeah, exactly. Now, what I've discovered in, in my Power of Eat groups and on many of the, the courses that I do where I'm putting people into groups, that one of the key factors in healing somebody themselves is getting off of themselves. That is probably one of the biggest things that I teach is there have been so many people who are stuck. And one of the beauties of a group and group small group healing is that you send intention to somebody else. You send healing to somebody else. You get off of yourself. And I have countless people who were stuck with something. And I don't just mean healing the body, but healing their finances or their career or their relationship or their life purpose. In this case, with Andy Spiros, it was healing a divorce, a messy divorce, and also getting a new job. And she was going nowhere in her group. We were doing all kinds of things. It was not happening for her. All the intention of the world was not working. So I finally exasperatedly said, Andy, get off of yourself. Start intending for someone else. Start doing group work on someone else who needs it more. Somebody who had big financial problems in their group called Diane. And I also had her focus on a young boy called Luke who had tried to commit suicide after breaking up with his first serious girlfriend. So mm -hmm. he threw himself onto a 40 foot, off of a 40 foot structure onto hard ground and broke every bone in his body, had brain damage, nerve damage, et cetera. So all of our groups started doing, in my suggestion after hearing about this from his father-in-law, uh, from his uh, stepfather, I started asking all of the groups to do intentions on successive Sundays for, for Luke. And while his 
father, uh, stepfather kept a running commentary of what was going on and things were happening that were coinciding with the time we were doing the intention. Luke got out of the hospital record time, healed everything as a normal, healthy 19 year old now, but which was wonderful. Maybe it was good doctoring, maybe it was us. But what was, what was really interesting is what happened to Andy because as soon as she got off of herself, she gets a call out of nowhere offering her her dream job. Didn't even know the person. And her divorce starts proceeding so smoothly and so beautifully that the lawyers on both sides asked her and her ex-husband, could we have a blueprint of what you just did because we'd like to use it with all of our clients. So her life totally fell into place by getting off of herself. And so what I love so much about your work too is that tagline you've used for years, heal others, heal yourself. It always seemed to put others first. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? I do, but actually, you know, I'm going to suggest first that um, there's a story that your story reminds me of that I think Jillian shares best about two sisters who came in to see us who weren't even oh focused on trying to heal. Yeah, the other one. we're Tell definitely, we definitely, we should, we should let's save that to the end because it's really a fun story of pregnancy. But I want to just touch on what you're asking, Lynn, because I think it's very interesting. Your one of your other points was overcoming your major obstacles to healing, and you've kind of described the simplicity of the largest obstacle. And you you kind of frame it in getting off yourself. But let's investigate that just a little bit. Because as a concept, getting off yourself is, uh, it, it's a beautiful tool and it's an approach. Um, and sometimes it can be really challenging to do depending on how extreme the situation may seem or feel. So lots of distractions in this particular way. There's a way to bring this about in, in your groups. But what is really conspiring here? And in the reconnective healing experience, often what I observe is there is a renewed enthusiasm that happens as this dissolving of otherness without a particular um, set of tools emerges. It, it's, it is something that just starts to reveal itself. And what does that mean? When we are ambitious about something, let's just take music, art, doesn't matter. When we are creating on behalf of the awareness that we are one, from the awareness of unity, from just the simplicity of I, I am, okay, there is something that experience conspires around to support and elevate that. When we are creating on behalf of one individual, the ego, when we are of the belief that we just need more money, a better house, a, a better relationship, a, 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 a nicer environment, whatever it may be, we ultimately really are just um, in, in, in a way, creating another state of separation without even being aware of it. And so in some ways, getting enthusiastic, becoming ambitious and inspired in whatever we are here, we'll call it our purpose to do. In, in this way, it's healing. Healing when our practitioners or people who are just exploring the reconnective healing experience become ambitious and excited about this 
awareness, same in your groups that you're describing. They, they glimpse oneness. They glimpse the truth of who they are. They glimpse their reality. Then they start to, again, create as a purpose things that are inspired from there, not from, I want to get rid of this. I really want to change that. I failed at that. I didn't get into the college I wanted. I'm never going to be who my parents think I should be. Um, I'm riddled with cancer and nothing in, in my life is ever going to happen. It's almost as if their relationship to whatever the experience may be that they're having completely shifts, as it probably did with your client. Her ambition, she was inspired by helping, I'm sorry, the gentleman that she was intending for. Luke. Luke. So in that, all of her truth, that that she really is, became the essence of her thoughts, her feelings. So in one way, that can happen through, again, intention in the mind. In this case, there's a bypassing of the mind. It's, it's a very direct way in which energy and light and information sort of just it dissolves that sense of, I'm a person. It, it, we lose often for a moment, even that drive to present as this individual self. It just, and, and it glimpses. It, it's, the mind comes back quickly. Of course it does. So anyway, in this, I would just say the character, the characterization of these obstacles softens. There's an unclenching of the fist in a way. And, and, and you know, listening to the two of you speak. <laughs> It's, it's it's very funny. Just when you think you know where you are, you find out you're somewhere else. In in perspective, brought me way back to when I was still practicing chiropractic, which is leading to exactly what we're talking about. Was I was making the physical chiropractic adjustments, and they were wonderful. And one day, I had heard something, and it kept playing in my mind: reconnect humanity, the physical, with humanity, the spiritual. And I remember touching a chiropractic patient and deciding before I make that adjustment, I'm just going to allow myself to become one with them, with the heavens, with whatever words we want to use and almost breathe, almost sort of move with them and then make the very same adjustment. And healing started happening at a different levels, not the dramatic reconnective healings yet, but a different level of healing for the patients. And then in doing that fairly consistently for about three years, one day, the reconnective healing started coming out, which everyone knows the story, so we don't have to lead into that. But in that, I was so in awe of what I was seeing. I forgot to think about the reuniting man, the physical, humanity, the physical with humanity, the spiritual. I forgot to think about it and what that and yet the healings became larger and larger because the glimpse of it, the glimpse of the infinite being that we are, instead of the illusion of the finite beings that we are, remained the enlightenment that we always are. You know, people are, you know, asking Ramana Maharshi and others, how, when will I become enlightened? And the answer is when we stop asking when, because it's saying that we're not it disappeared that thought of I have to remember, I have to maintain this consciousness. And the healings expanded because the light, the knowingness that is us, is always us. And therefore, this is the key 
to healing, people would say, well, how can you come in and so powerfully do these healings? What are you doing that I'm not doing? Nothing. It's the knowingness. And as each of us grant ourselves permission to be that knowingness that we are, we suddenly realize there's no longer a hierarchy in the field of healing. There's no, this healer is better than that healer and this one in Tibet or over there, we need to go visit. It's, it becomes the recognition that it is us in the infinite. Absolutely. And I just want to let you know about one thing, which is even with power of eight intention, we use the word intention, but actually what's going on here is love. There's nothing mental about it. Um, it starts with a thought of what to essentially direct that unit, that little piece of oneness into a particular place. But it happens in the heart, but also it happens in the connection, in the group. I mean, one of the really interesting things that I looked at when I was trying to figure out why Power of Eight works, uh, Power of Eight works. And I should tell everybody who doesn't know, I really was trying not to do this, actually, because as Eric remembers me back when we met around 2004, I was simply an author writing about the new science and had no intention whatsoever of doing healing. And I got very hijacked when I was playing around with big intention experiments, trying to see how far to take intention. Because I was really fascinated by scientific studies, looking at thoughts affecting things outside yourself and thoughts in a group. Um, and there was a little bit of tantalizing evidence about that, but a lot of evidence among these frontier scientists that thoughts are things that affect other things. So I wanted to, being a, a hard-nosed journalist at my heart that I am, I wanted to see how far we can take this. You know, are we talking about curing cancer with our thoughts? Are we talking about a tiny shift in a quantum particle? So that's why I set up the intention experiments. But we were playing around with them and getting some really really good results. We've done 40 by, uh, by now, more than 40. We just did 41. And 36 have shown measurable, positive, mostly significant effects, working with a batch of different scientists in different universities. Um, so back in 2008, I was really interested, how, you know, can we shrink this down a little? So I thought, well, maybe we'll create these little mini intention experiments in my next workshop. So that's what we did. And I expected it to be a nice little mild effect. And we got all of these major healings, which was shocking and upsetting, actually, to me, because I kept thinking, this is not my work. I'm doing the intention experiments. I'm working with scientists. I don't want to do this. And we, but I kept practicing with it over 10 years before I published the book about it, because I kept trying to figure out why does this work? Why am I seeing a couple of, I've had two people get out of their wheelchairs. I've had all kinds of people, cancer surgery, reverse cancer, do all kinds of stuff. And what I came to when I was trying to study all of this, aside from the neuroscience studies we did, was altruism as I talked about getting off of yourself, when you look at the science of altruism, it's like a bulletproof vest. People who do things for other people live longer, healthier, happier lives. Volunteers 
live longer, healthier, happier lives. People with an illness helping other people are much more likely to get better. People who focus obsessively on the self are more likely to get worse. And on and on and on it goes. So I think what really happens is a connection, at least in my work, a connection with oneness that people don't experience ordinarily. And that, and they also experience in getting off of themselves and being part of and submerged by this sense of oneness, they experience love. There was, and that is the big secret sauce, that in oneness, because um, with the Power of Eight groups and in, in my courses, in my masterclass, which is, we're just opening the doors to that in uh, next week, um, I run a year long course and I put people in groups and we do, I teach them a lot of stuff, but then they work with the groups every week for a whole year. So <clears throat> there was a guy called Jerry and he illustrates it perfectly. Jerry, this is during lockdown. He joins my master class for 2020. And he tells me toward the end of it, you know, I've experienced the best time in my life during COVID and lockdown. I, it's my sense of community. I have felt closer to people than I ever have in my life. I have spent, I've had more sense of connection and love than I've ever experienced. So he takes the next course just to experience it again. Takes 2021 for a whole year. He does it again, has a second power of eight group and says at the end of it, I now know what love is. And so, you know, it's what we're talking about, maybe doing slightly different language and certainly different pathways to it. But we're talking about healing, really being about lack of separation and therefore feeling of love in my view. So, yeah, and absolutely, um, which here's what comes to me when, when I'm listening to the beautiful way you're expressing this. Healing is love. Therefore, love, healing, pick your word, is the dissolving of separation, is the dissolving of otherness, is the, um, as Rupert Spirit would say, the a taste of our shared being. And you can't technique your way into love. You can't yeah. technique your way into healing. And ultimately, as gorgeous as books telling us about how to find a love relationship and books telling us the steps to healing and everything are, the ultimate design of technique in this realm of love and healing is to self-dissolve. Mm -hmm. The love and the healing allows all of the technique to self-dissolve. The only thing that ultimately wants to hold on to those techniques is the ego that's in fear of what if I don't have a crutch to hold on to. And yet what allows us to get there is that inner knowingness that once that crutch is gone, we discover that we never needed it in the first place. That's healing. That's love. Yeah. And I think we're both really um, expressing in how we are sharing a, a primary thing, which is I am the healer. It, 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 this is a, a, a recognition revealed 
that um, isn't a concept. It isn't a state of mind. It isn't, explain the I am. <laughs> it, isn't a, it isn't found in thinking. It isn't really even found in feeling because it's closer to us than even that, than any of that. It is more intimate and more impersonal than we are in the recognition of in thinking and feeling or in the body-mind. So It's not the ego of the little I. It's right? the M of the mm-hmm. I am capitalized. So one of your other points that you posted um, as part of the conversation was the most successful mental and emotional states to healing. And in a way, that was ex- that's ex- that's an exciting conversation in a way, because again, nothing in the reconnective healing experience is a state of anything. It is the dissolving of all states. Howsoever, the question is the reasoning part. We, we are perceiving and conceiving in a world. We are perceiving and conceiving each other on these little screens. You are Lynn, as I know you, and I am Jillian, and this is Eric, and, and we have these names and stories. So in a way, let's be inspired by the knowing that this awareness, consciousness revealing itself as the experience of each one of us is starting to percolate as a truth, as a knowing for everyone, for everything, whether we're experiencing it because we're in abundant, magnificent nature, or our cat or our dog, or your grandbaby, who I got to hold for a whole hour, is just resting in the breath of my being. I'm sharing my being with her so much. There's there's no recognition that it's her or me. We're just we're just love, as you were describing. Any of so enough of these experiences, and maybe this lovely younger generation that's is been informed by technology, they are now finding their way into what we'll say is the design of daily life somewhere, somehow. Um, you know, again, things that Greg Braden are doing and technologies that are coming about through, through, through Nassim and many other, Donald Hoffman, Rupert Spira. There's some beautiful names out there. This gentle uh, touching of truth Eric spoke about it three decades in his first book, The Reconnection, Heal Others, Heal Yourself. So touching of truth is now finding its way into experience, our known experience, not an idea, not a concept, not a theory, not a new piece of knowledge, but and the truth said, of our experience. And as Julian said, these are not states because a state by virtue of being a state has an edge, a border, a boundary. And in the infinite, there there is not that. Right. And, and it isn't that states of coherence can't bring us to a precipice where there's a glimpse. But now this toggling that you're doing in, 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 in your groups, your power of eight groups, there's a recognition that we are one. We are oneness. Okay. We, we can't find that through thinking, but there is a glimpse. Then there is the story. There's the the movie that we're all in, right? And even that is starting to reveal itself in a way we, some people call it expanding consciousness. Consciousness doesn't expand. Consciousness is always the same. But this substance that we are is demonstrating itself in life as that expansion. And so is that, important enough? Can the ego rest 
peacefully mm-hmm. next to its true nature long enough where the importance, if you put, of individuality is no longer what we strive for. It's not that we aren't individually creating magnificent purposes, but the, the, the validation of that individuality isn't where our primary attention or intention in your language or in our language, um, the beingness, that isn't uh, our focus any longer. To be is enough. And can we allow the ego to rest there, which is really, Jillian, why I want to bring you back to non-directed intention in certain ways of the story of the two sisters. Okay, but wait, I want to hear from Lynn first, and then we'll, we'll tell you about the two pregnant sisters. Okay, wonderful. I can't wait to hear. And by the way, I just have to throw in my granddaughter celebrated Halloween by wearing a little Snow White costume. So just okay. put that in your pipe and smoke it. And imagine. I just got a chance to spend a, an afternoon with us recently and uh, to hang out with my uh, daughter, son-in-law and granddaughter as well. So anyway, had to say that, had to say that. Um So what I think we need is reminding. I think you're absolutely right. We should be living in this state of complete knowingness and oneness, et cetera. But we've been imbued with so much separation. And the lives created for us and the societal structures we live in reinforce all of that. Now, the good news is they're all collapsing around us. Now, we don't perceive that as good news. It actually is really good news because everything has got to a level of total corruption where, you know, it is eating its own children. So a lot of the structures that value and lionize separation are crumbling. So we do have to create something else. Now, one of the things that I notice, and I'm sure it's the case with reconnective healing too, um, but I notice in my own Power of Eight groups is, and in the intention experiments, I survey people after intention experiments and have done since 2008. I started out doing it just to find out if they could get on the internet site where I was holding them, because I would hold them on my website and ask people from around the world to hold the same experience, the same thought, the same experience, while a team of scientists would measure what was going on. Um, And the the thought had to be directed toward affecting some sort of target. So I started surveying them in 2008, and I was astonished, truly astonished, because I asked them, could you get on the website? How was that for you? And I started getting back things like, um, when they were peace intention experiments, 40% or more of people were saying um, that they were healing relationships in their own lives. Um, Half of the people every single time say, I feel more love for everyone I come into contact with. Um, A third, just about every time, experience some sort of improvement in their health or complete healing. Again, what WTF, as our younger daughter would put it, Um, what is going on here? And what I've noted during those neuroscience studies, et cetera, are, as I said, the brainwave studies to our astonishment and that of the neuroscientists we were working with at Life University 
largest and one of the most prestigious chiropractic universities in the world, they thought it was going to look just like meditation. It looked nothing like meditation. But what it did look like was brainwave studies almost identical to those um, conducted by Dr. Andrew Newberg, a neuroscientist then at the University of Pennsylvania, studying Sufi masters during um, uh, chanting and Buddhist monks, as I say, during ecstatic prayer. And when I looked at what people were reporting, they're reporting huge physical experiences, you know, like goosebumps running up and down their arms and electricity running through them and superheat. And I remind you, everybody was sitting as we are today alone in front of their computer screens from around the world. Bizarre stuff like that. People saying they felt like a tractor beam in Star Trek. Um, and they also reported all of these extraordinary other feelings like overwhelming feeling of oneness, uh, a blinding epiphany of meaning, uh, a sense of rejuvenation. And also many people saying, even though we had a target, I felt like we were healing everyone everywhere at once. And so I recognized that what they were describing was almost identical to what the late psychologist Abraham um, um, Maslow called peak experiences. They were describing a peak experience. And this, I think, is a glimpse of this miraculousness, this, this fast track to a miraculous, which I think also is reconnective healing. You experience that, you enter into that state, and you have this experience, as you say, of no time, no space. Uh, same with people in power of eight groups. So it's I guess what we're talking about with healing, I suppose, is getting into the state of no time, no space, and suddenly you allow this all to happen. And 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 I guess I would say then now if we allow that um, pathway to become curious, your your larger question, and I think all of our larger contribution here is. If we know we can't maintain any finite state, we know that all states will have a beginning and an ending, right? We, in a way, don't want to be also in a constant hyper state of attempting to maintain a state of oneness. And I think that's really the precipice that, at least for the reconnection and reconnective healing, we're really curious about. Um, Letting the, go of the trying. The magnificence mm -hmm. of what the last several decades, and we, we, we can see the explosion of spiritual awakening and, and the interest in consciousness and whether it's healing or manifesting or science or the quantum field, all of it has allowed us to explore it as a, a, a pathway. Now, we, we can be rest assured the mind cannot maintain a constant pathway. It, it only perceives a finite. It, it, it is designed to perceive beginnings and endings. And, it's, it, and that localization is important. Howsoever, the contemplation, the inquiry of, again, being in the recognition that we are not what we see. And 
the world isn't what we see. In a way, it's how we see. And this kind of cracks the doorway open where the cacophony, all these methods and processes and procedures and, and ways that people engage in peace and love, the knowing of their being, what do we, this is a question, where and how now can we soften our addiction to states, states of mind, states of body, states of loves? How can we soften that addiction enough so that the the integration, the knowing starts to, uh, I'm going to say, in a way, become our default. And we glimpse it. And this is what allows it. We glimpse it during healing for the capital H, reconnective healing, any approach to healing. At its highest, everything that isn't us falls away. Ultimately, we give everything away. Everything disappears, except the one thing that cannot disappear is our essence, is the infinite. So each time we glimpse the infinite, it brings about a series of ongoing glimpses. And we step more and more into the cognizant portion of the awareness that we are. We start to uh, represent that more and more in our lives. And with that falls away the illusion of limitation, edges, borders, boundaries. And and it's funny, people go, but I want a healing. I don't need to think about this, mm-hmm. you know, conceptually. And it's not about thinking about it conceptually. The recognition of this is the portal that allows the healing. It is therefore the healing. So what you are sharing with us, Lynn, and what we are all discussing today is the doorway, is the portal that allows us to recognize and therefore exist as the healing that ultimately we already are. We can't become something that we already are, but we can have it unveiled, revealed, and live in that recognition. And therefore, suddenly the illusion of not being well or not being emotionally happy or relationships not working or careers not functioning, as that illusion disappears, we suddenly find what we thought we were looking for all the way and the, all, all along. And the only reason that we are looking for it is because we already know it as ourselves. Every single thing mm-hmm. that we are looking for is happiness. We think we're looking for healing. We're not. We're looking for happiness. We think we're looking for a new car. We think we're looking for the perfect relationship. We're not. We're looking for those as leading up to the happiness. We're looking for the happiness because we know that as ourselves, happiness, love, peace, health, being, we're looking for that happiness, however it manifests for us, however we recognize it. Absolutely. And, you know, this is, I guess we're talking about walking into a gateway, there's a a certain amount of unlearning that has to happen. Um, I I wrote about this in 2011. I published a book called Bond, um, and it was supposed to be an answer to Darwin, you know, were we meant to be this competitive? And I really scoured the science and my answer was a resounding no. We were never meant to, as humans, live the life we lead lead now. And there, there were a few things I recognized that we have a need for, an overwhelming need for that aren't satisfied. And one is um, a need to belong. 
We need to belong essentially more than we need to eat. We need to breathe. We need to belong. It's essential to the human condition. We also, and one other thing I recognize too, is we need to see a whole lot better. Now you were talking about to recognize the oneness. You know, the problem with us, particularly in the West, is we've been taught to to be individual from the time we are my granddaughter's age. Um, we We are given books like we were called Fun with Dick and Jane, which idolizes an individual, you know, see, spot, run. And the Japanese have something very different. They have little primers that have a relationship. So they'll have big brother is there with little brother. Little brother loves big brother. Big brother looks after little brother. And that whole way of seeing is very, very different. So part of what I get is so important about reconnective healing, important about power of eight groups, is acknowledging the part of us that really is there that has been drummed out of us essentially by the way that we live. So we need to give, we need to agree. We have real needs to agree with each other, even though we're so polarized now. We need to give, we need to give. That's essential to human nature. And again, we've been, we've been programmed to think we need to take And so when you said we need to achieve happiness and happiness, this extraordinary contentment of I am, I am, and I receive here in just being part of this larger whole is is so important. But I want to ask you, before I get to Jillian's wonderful story about these, these twins, give me and give our audience a rundown of what's new in your book, The Direct Path to Healing, which has just been launched. Well, first of all. The book? We just uh, grabbed, we just, we're going to, we're going to flash it. Let's see it. Let's see it. Thank you. Great. Okay. And tell us what's a bit, tell us what's great about it. First of all, it is, it is the recognition that we were talking about before. It is the understanding it is the, that everything is one. It's, it's the letting go of the sending and the being, but it's discovering it on that level that we actually own it. And in order to, in, even in order to bring it through, we, we would discuss topics from various perspectives. And the, and then we brought, exercises into the end of each chapter and ways to really feel, explore, and recognize on levels beyond the cerebral. So the information in the direct path to healing, you get it at a certain level using the cerebral thinking mind. However, it is absorbed, it is assimilated, and it becomes a part of us in ways that we are not even aware of in that moment. Right. What else might you add? I I think our you know the it's a very concise new book. It's only seven chapters, and we've included um, what we would call just again contemplations, uh, guided conversations in there. But if you look at the way we frame the gift of the healer, which is chapter one, all the way to the seventh chapter, which is I am the healer. 
um, there is uh, an invitation, that's the way I would put it, to really rest in, again, the truth of your own experience, because you and Eric and myself and all these beautiful beings who are sharing, ask their purpose, perspectives, tools, pathways, ultimately, and and this is my own, I, I guess I would say, understanding, until this becomes the truth of one's experience, it can't live as them in their life. And so we wanted this book to inspire that introspection, not to take any one study or any one piece of science or any one miracle story, which we have millions of them. We all do, as you Uh, do, as everyone does. This is is really maybe no longer the affirmation that we need in order to break from this illusion of separation. And we have to challenge ourselves. Let me just finish this. We have to challenge ourselves to the, to the knowing, to making it the truth of our experience. And so that's, I think, in a lot of ways, what this, this is really exploring. It doesn't explore either of our personal stories. We stay quite a bit away from, um, that way in which we get someone's attention by getting really granular around a story we let the story dissolve a little bit so that that larger knowing rather than the separate self, which is part of that one God, I call it God. We let that God reveal itself as the truth of our experience in this book, or we hope it inspires that inquiry. That's So all. people used to say with reconnective healing, what are you reconnecting to? And of course, you know, our minds, our egos, our personalities go to try to answer the question as it is asked, which doesn't always mean that we are getting the question that's really being asked. So I would say we're correcting, we're connecting, reconnecting to our original fullness, which is truth. And yet, what we're beginning to recognize is being that there was no connect, disconnection in the first place, we're also reconnecting healing itself in the dissolution of techniques comes the dissolution of division of separation of this approach is better than that approach when we let go of all those little compartments that our techniques get this one gets this part of the energy and this gets that part of the energy and this gets 12 different kinds of reiki and seven different kinds of shigan when we let go of that compartmentalizing Suddenly, what becomes reconnected is all of technique. Suddenly, we find that in the reconnection of all of technique, I mean, of all of, I'm sorry, what becomes reconnected is all of healing, not all of technique Mm -hmm. on this book. And in that reconnecting of all of healing, we find that we are that healing and therefore we are accessing not just what one technique or 12 techniques taught us, and we're not even just accessing it. We are recognizing that we are all of it, whether we've learned these methods, whether we haven't learned these methods, we just are because there's no need to learn who we are. And part of what's really key is that if we truly want to be empowering everyone, 
then we have to stop viewing attendees as students. And to start that, we have to stop positioning ourselves as teachers, recognizing that we are all friends of one level, that the experience, that the sharing is perfect, and that becomes the enlightenment. There's no more positioning in the world of healing. I'm a master, I'm a grandmaster, I'm a grandmaster teacher. All of that gets to fall away as the illusion that it's always been. We no longer need to be investing our um, self-worth in how many pieces of papers and certificates we have on the wall. It's in the knowingness of the essence of who and what we are. And that is our healing. And our healing is the healing of everyone, not as if I have an opinion on the subject. Clearly, I don't. <laughs> Let's hear your story, Jillian. Thank you, Eric. That was so great. Yes. And, and actually, I, I I think the story is not hugely important. Not there's some point. questions, if, and I know I see there's a lot of questions for you, Lynn, and for us. Do you want to just take a minute or two to answer a few questions? Sure, sure. Okay, let's see if we've got any. Um, I was wondering if this healing can apply to trying to conceive a baby because the journey is so hard, it's difficult to send healing vibes to others you know who are struggling when you want it so bad for yourself. Any guidance is appreciated. Why don't we both take turns answering that? Go ahead, go ahead, Jillian. That's perfect for the story you were going to tell, I think. I, it's, uh, you know, again, this can create a tremendous amount of um, expectation, but I would encourage the person who asked this question to feel the expectancy and also to look at where the struggle is for them. Um, yes, the story that Eric kept alluding to was two sisters, one who had five children and her sister who couldn't uh, conceive or hadn't conceived, had come to uh, one of our presentations and then uh, on to have a healing session and so on and so forth. The exploring of the reconnective healing experience. And they um, showed up together at um, a lecture we were giving. And at the end, they approached us, uh, interestingly enough, both with babies in their hands. And the sister who was had been unable to conceive, uh, was elated. She had conceived and this first child had come to her in her life. And while she was attributing it so deeply to um, the reconnective healing experience, it was her reception. It was obviously this al sort of allowing um, the healing to happen. And she was thrilled. And her sister... <laughs> who was standing there with a baby in her hand, was not so thrilled because she had also come to the same um, to keep her sharing company. to keep her sister company. And while she already had four children and the last thing she wanted was another child, she also conceived. <laughs> so both of them uh, were, were, were sort of there in this wonderful um, recognition and allowing. And, and yes, you know, we we would say that Again, in everything we've been talking about here, reconnective healing is never focused on one particular problem situation as sure. we are perceiving it from the challenge that we're having in our life. We we want you to know what we um, are sharing is your capacity to expose what is resting behind it, which is this infinite 
potential. Although as a side note, I will tell you <laughs> that I noticed from the very beginning 30 years ago that women athletes or just people who had stopped having their um, regular menstruation, their periods started again either on 14 or 28 days and many people do become pregnant so it, it does kind of strike me funny when it keeps happening but I understand <laughs> like, yeah. all that real and I mean but we've seen the same we've seen the same in power of eight groups and one of my favorite pregnancy stories just happened a few weeks ago there was a woman due to give birth five days from then and her baby was in breach and so we did, so feet first, and they were going to do an emergency cesarean uh, if she didn't, if, if the baby didn't turn around in five days, they had it scheduled. So we had a power of eight group and baby turned around that night and then boom, came out normally. So there's plenty of stuff that we both see in terms of healing. And what I guess we're both saying is this kind of healing happens when you get out of the way. This kind mm -hmm. of, this happens when you get out of the way and we have different pathways to that, but we're talking about essentially the same way. And my, my way is creating a group and the group creating that experience of oneness and that experience of oneness of being in the field and feeling the field, because we don't feel the field normally, um, no matter how we do it, we don't feel the field. We're stuck with our sense of separation and the 70,000 thoughts we have every single day, uh, no matter what. And so for us entering into those moments of oneness occur in the 10 minutes of a power of eight group. And, and for that's so beautiful. Um, you know, I, I don't normally, um, I, I've stopped um a while ago sharing healing stories basically because everyone is waiting for that one special story mm. uh, in interviews i'm sure you get this all the time lynn i know we do what's your most dramatic healing what's your favorite healing as if there's a healing that we keep in a little vase somewhere on the mantelpiece over the fireplace that we're going to take it down dust it off and share it as the one and really the most beautiful, the most dramatic healing stories is always the most recent one. It's just always the most oh, yeah. recent one. I'm so glad you touched on that too, because actually, Lynn, one of the things that I wanted to um, ask you, because you are definitely connected on the science front as well, there's been so much beautiful conversation around, and I'm going to use the more crass expression of it time and space are doomed you know donald hoffman is magnificent and i love him but he's moved far beyond you know the, the the game theory and in a way piques some a very interesting question and for me the most interesting question is if science is coming to the realization and neuroscience is certainly going to have to take a pause mm -hmm. and 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 relax itself a little bit that there is no space or time. There is no ending to anything. There is only here and now, here and now. There is no beginning and no end. The ever present. If science was committed fully to the exploration of here, 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 now, now, can you imagine 
the mm-hmm. divinity, the love that it would be studying, that it would be exploring just the, 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 that simple scientific range rather than, you know, let's just follow something all the way to the end, the end, the end, the end, and then, and then find out that nothing we thought was the end is now the end anymore. It just, this rat race. And I think it's all interconnected. I think science now is going to be faced with that fact. And, and I'm so excited about the potential of the curiosity of scientists and quantum physicists. Let's really deeply explore here, presence, now, now. I, I love the only issue. What is Go ahead. Sorry. And what is the challenge for science to be to begin to explore love? Because to really do that, they have to leave behind how many vibrations the brain wave makes and, and what's happening in the heart, because it's not tangibly measurable that way. Well, and here's the issue. We're talking about will they ever connect the dots? Because that information, that that information is already here. You mentioned earlier that Einstein stopped short, and he did. He did not like non-locality, he called it spooky action at a at distance. He thought that time is relative. And now the quantum any good quantum physicist worth his salt says, no. There is no time. Carlo Rovelli said, there is, no, there is no such thing as time. Human beings are the only creatures on the planet who are time machines. Every other creature experiences time as one big spread out now. Here's the other very interesting point. The brain, there's no place in the brain that understands time. The same place in the brain that acknowledges time as a linear sequence and acknowledges past is also the place that imagines our future. And when someone, another study, series of studies have shown that somebody has problems with memory and amnesia, they also have difficulties imagining their future, imagining anything in the future, a so-called future. So scientists recognize Time and space are one big smeared out now, at least the the good quantum physicists. But here's the problem. Science has made this distinction between the world of the small and the world of the large. And they have said, and it's something that makes no sense to me and anyone who is not a scientist, that subatomic things have all of this anarchic behavior, like non-locality, superposition, Subatomic particles aren't an actual something. They're a potential of something. And they then say, yes, but once they get to be part of a bigger whole and make up something that's visible to the eye, they start behaving themselves and acting in the usual Newtonian way of you know, separate entities operating according to fixed laws in time and space. So that makes no sense. But that's been the position adopted by science, that there's a science for the small and a science for the large. And until we recognize that the science of the small is the science of all of life, and there's certainly lots of evidence now that great big things, like the biggest molecules in the universe, like even photosynthesis, are processes that make use of quantum processes. As soon as we finally recognize that, 
we'll actually be able to have a science that explains what you're talking about, both of you. But we have to wait, as they say, science proceeds one funeral at a time. And yeah. you know, we have we have a science that is still stuck more than three centuries ago. And it's got to be the frontier people, the scientists who are in the frontier, pulling the rest of them forward, yanking them into the knowledge we have now. But we can explore this ourselves and we have, you have, and demonstrate to people out there what is really important in their understanding and this new information and how it relates to an experience of oneness, which is for both of us, I think, the path to true healing. Yeah, yes. As many great Beautiful. presenters say, we have to stop um, making science into a religion. No, absolutely. We really do. We really do. It's a signpost. It's not a religion. And sometimes that signpost is terribly wrong. As you said, you know, we are story makers and we have this obsessive need to create a very reductive story of our lives. And the important thing that we're both saying, I think, is moving beyond that into okay. what we really feel, our intuitive state. So everybody, it's time for us to say goodbye, but I want to just announce the direct path to healing. Let's see that again. Eric and Jillian's latest book, Please check it out. It just went up on Amazon. It's the only place it's available. On okay. So check it out on Amazon all over the world, The Direct Path to Healing. And for everybody else listening, I'll just let you know about two courses. If you're quick, you can join my Become a Better Healer, which is all about suspending so much of what you've learned about prognosis, diagnosis, and so many things for healers out there. It starts actually November 5th. So that's tomorrow in this broadcast. And I have just launching next week, my year long course, um, the Power of Eight Intention Masterclass, where I teach a whole bunch of stuff and then I put people into groups and we watch them and work with them for a whole year and see all sorts of amazing entries into healing. So your website, Eric and Jillian? It's thereconnection.com. And on there, you'll also be able to join us if you want on some of our regular weekly gatherings, the Reconnected Life Community. It's called the RLC, where on most Wednesdays, we've got Zoom gatherings of various kinds that are interactive sharing and welcome open to everyone. And the training um, programs for Reconnective Healing, for those interested, um, are all on the Reconnective Academy website. Well, it's called it's called Reconnective Academy yeah, without the word the reconnectiveacademy.com. And they're also on the, uh, the reconnection.com um, around the world internationally. Most of them are being taught in um, their native languages and with um, English simultaneous translation but take a look. Wonderful. And you can find all of my stuff on lynnmctaggart.com. Uh, you'll find out about Become a Better Healer under courses and also the Power of Eight Intention Masterclass. So check out both. And 
if you join lynnmctaggart.com, you can find out more about the little army of change makers I'm going to be announcing very, very soon. So there's lots of free information, free um, resource, and also the intention experiment. We just ran one for Iranian women and for Iran last Monday, and we'll be running new ones uh, periodically. So check it out and see what happens to you as well as doing something for the world. Thank you both. It's been wonderful spending time with you, even virtually. Love so, you. Thank you. Love uh, to Brian. Love to the girls. Thank you so much. And huge good luck on your book. And bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. It's been great having you with us. Check out my website. Check out Jillian and Eric's. And we hope to see you soon. Thanks so much.